me, it started out as a neighbor. I mean, I've been a citizen of the United States. I was born into citizenship. And so as soon as I turned 18, I registered to vote. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mm-hmm. kind of went through that mechanism. But that I'm a white woman from a privileged background. And uh, the system worked for me. It wasn't. It didn't work for me as well as like my brothers. Honestly, mm-hmm. it really is a little bit easier to be a white guy. But, you know, the reality is, is that a system worked for me. So why would we be changing anything? Mm-hmm. There was really nothing to criticize. It worked for me. It wasn't until I moved into a community, you know, so many years ago mm-hmm. and really just began to live. And it's not me just loving my neighbors. It's them loving me back. I mean, this reciprocal finding out, wow. Begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barber. Uh, this is the Sit Up Podcast, and uh, this is an exciting week for us. Uh, actually, an exciting 15 days. I'm with producer Andrew Morgan, uh, and we are on the road for the next 15 days. We are doing something called a get well, a get out the vote campaign uh, and vote for the greater good is what we're calling it. Uh, so we are going. We are in an RV. Uh, and we are a 30 foot, two, 32 foot long RV, uh, and, uh, sleeps four. And we have actually created uh, what I like to call a, uh, uh, we've call we call it a, uh, get out the vote bubble. And so it's four of us. We, uh, we got our COVID tests back negative. We are, uh, all traveling together, uh, and staying at campsites distance with our, with our mask all in place. And we'll do, uh, we're going to hit six swing states in this, in this time. So we are going, uh, to, we're now in Denver, Colorado. Um, and you're going to meet our guests, uh, in a few minutes. And we are headed to Chicago to pick up Pastor Jay, uh, Jonathan Brooks from Canaan Baptist Church will be with us as well. And then we will hit Chicago. We will hit Canton, Ohio. Uh, we will hit Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area. We will hit North Carolina. We will hit uh, Tampa, Florida, Georgia, and Kansas City. So that's seven. So we are on the road. Um, we are, we're moving, moving along pretty well. So for those of you out there that follow us, uh, make sure you, uh, put us in your prayers because we really believe that now is the time to get the vote out. Um, and you'll hear more about this as we, as we go along, but we're going to interview a number of people along the way, uh, who have, uh, some really significant um, roles within our country. And, uh, today, uh, I'm really excited. I uh, want to be in Denver, uh, to be with Michelle Ferrigno Warren. Uh, she is a community organizer, activist. Uh, she, uh, is a part of CCDA. Um, and, uh, your job title at CCDA, um, is the director of advocacy. How do you like that, folks? She's the director of advocacy. We're going to find out what that is. She is an author. Uh, she is a mother. Um, and uh, uh, she has a fantastic husband. I mean, they've been married 30 plus years and they have incredible children and a beautiful home. But her husband's a Cowboys fan. And uh, he he's not just a Cowboys fan. He has the slippers and the hats and uh, just a man after my own heart. So I'm um, glad to be here. And actually incredibly honored uh, to be here and to be able to interview because Michelle is um, hasn't 
hasn't just entered this um, this work uh, and around uh, organizing. Um, she's done a lot around immigration. Uh, she works a lot in D.C. Um, organizing and helping candidates. And uh, she ran for Senate herself uh, for Colorado. Uh, and it's just a fantastic person. And I have had the honor of working with her. And I want you to hear from her. I want uh, this interview uh, to go out today um, as as our first interview with someone who is um, extremely, extremely uh, knowledgeable of organizing and why voting matters and why this election um, is so important. So, Michelle, why don't you introduce your? I, I, I took a shot at introducing. Why don't you do it? Well, thanks, Leroy. It is so good to have you in my backyard just to give everybody a picture of where we are. I think it's like nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm, you have just mm-hmm. rolled up into my driveway. I live in the city of Denver, right in the heart of the city. And one of the coveted things in the city is to have a guaranteed parking spot. So I happen to live on a block where I have a single car driveway. And that is the most massive RV I think I have ever seen. How it only sleeps four, I do not know. It should sleep like 40, man. That is huge. But anyway, it was great to see you somehow miraculously back it up into my driveway. Very impressive. Can't even do that with my own car. But to have you in my city to talk about such an important thing uh, about voting, about this season, 2020, I... I know we all know where we were four years ago. And so I'm just grateful, grateful that you would take the time and the resources to make sure that this conversation is getting out far and wide. In my circles, in the work that I do, this is what we talk about all the time. Mm. But national talking heads are only going to get us so far. It is truly at the grassroots that we see change and we Mm. need to inspire people not just to get out and vote and mail in a ballot or pull a lever. I mean, that's a really important action or exercise. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. what goes back to that is the belief that their voice matters. And when you have a lot of systems that work against you, and in the community that I live in is almost 80% Latino. So to say that I'm an immigration activist and I care about immigration, I'm a good neighbor. Mm, I care about my neighbors, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so, so to be able to vote on their interests, to ensure that their voices and the change that they not only want to, but need to mm-hmm. see for themselves and the generations forward. It's, it's one part of it is voting. And, mm-hmm. but it really goes to the belief that your voice and your opinion and your value and, and participation in civic engagement matters. Nice. So Michelle, you've worked on a number of campaigns and, um, why is this one so important? <laughs> So I, I I referenced a little bit 2016. I, I remember where I was, you know, watching the election. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Lira, but it was one of these things I thought we just kind of knew how it was going to turn out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you and I had been walking that 150-mile walking solidarity pilgrimage, Camino mm-hmm. de Migrante, mm-hmm. from the... Uh, San Diego, uh, Tijuana border mm-hmm. into LA just that August. It was just so much, um, divisive narrative against immigrants. Mm-hmm. And it, and we were working really hard. Those of us who've been working in advocacy, working to try to change systems through elections and voting had been doing what we would say doing the work, maybe doing mm-hmm. extra work mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 2016. And then all of a sudden we have this, Election, I was telling you just earlier tonight that it's so dynamic. You can think 30 days before an election, you know where it's going. The polls are saying this, but 
then in 10 days, five days, three days, and then then we're there. Wow. And watching the votes come in and see where we were going to land mm-hmm. was incredibly disheartening. I think at about two in the morning, I just sort of gave up and I woke up the next morning just like this is our new reality. And for me, it was some of it was I got to work on protection and defense mm-hmm. for people like Anybody who's in need of mercy is in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. my immigrant neighbors and friends. So there was that piece. But then it was, I already know what I'm doing for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is going to be investing to ensure that we have good representation right. at, at the polls. So, so yeah, I've been working on it a long time. This is, so this is a very important election. I, there's a story I want to tell you. A couple of weeks ago, I won't tell you the organization, but it was a national organization, predominantly evangelical organization, mm-hmm. who had they'd never weighed in on anything. And I was pushing them, saying, you know, this is an organization that really has a big amount of young people mm-hmm. that should be incentivized to vote. Mm-hmm. The biggest voting block here in 2020 is if you put millennial voters and Gen Z voters, they are the largest voting block for the 2020 election. Wow. So you need I to say that again. Yeah. So, yeah. Gen Z. And millennials. So everybody that's what, 37 and younger, they're the largest voting block in this election. So I've been trying to work with people who have influence over young people. And so this organizational leader was sharing, yeah, we really need to get involved. You know, we've never done anything before. And I was proud of them for being willing to maybe allow some graphics on their social media that may seem like a small thing, but we take small steps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But he said something that I had been hearing over and over again the last few months. And much from people who haven't been a part of this journey for very long, even beyond four years. Mm-hmm. And he, he said something like, yeah, because this is the most consequential election in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Like this poor guy got the most passionate version of me. Uh-huh. I mean, I was not yelling, right, but boy, right, right. I was strong. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, no. This is not the most consequential election of your lifetime. Four years ago was, and you didn't show up, and now you need to show up, oh, and you man. need to incentivize everybody you know to show up mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. undo the harm Wow! that your lack of action did four years four ago. Four years ago. Wow. That's good. Mm. So we're trying to recover from lack of action in 2016 and 2020. Yeah. Man, that's good, Michelle. Yeah. So- so you 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 know what we're doing and uh and 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 you you spoke into this I, you know I was like hey Michelle right. like we one we think we need to get the black vote out right. um and and there are a number of organizations working on it yes. which we're we're pumping them all right um and but we thought but we need to we need to kind of be there like we need to kind of represent being on the ground and if we think we can do that safely, what do you think? What do you think comes from that? So, what do you think comes from connecting with people on the ground as a, as an organizer? So, this is a really huge election, and we couldn't have predicted that COVID would determine mm-hmm. the involvement. There's there are two different veins. I mean, there's a lot more than two, but there are two primary veins of a campaign or an election, which is sort of the big picture, sort of that national narrative. Everyone's sort of talking about what's happening in Mm -hmm. Politico and the Washington Post and all the Mm -hmm. certain talking Mm -hmm. heads. And then there is like the grassroots Mm -hmm. 
And it's not just the grassroots for down-ballot races like school board, which are really important, or statewide offices, which are also Mm -hmm. very important, or Mm -hmm. federal offices like U.S. Senate and Mm -hmm. House of Representatives, of course, President. But it's the grassroots efforts that really fuel a campaign. Mm -hmm. And so everybody knows, you know, you make your calls, you do your call banking, Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. real rubber that meets the roads Mm -hmm. in, in creating a successful campaign, especially with candidates that maybe don't have name recognition. That is not a problem with Biden or Trump, but is door knocking. Mm. And so I, first of all, I know you and I know me and I know activists and organizers can't imagine doing any more by zoom. I mean, there are people who are sick of zoom and then there's people like you and I, which zoom should never have been created for us. Like we are very personal relational. Mm -hmm. I need to be in the same room and I need to influence. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we can influence on zoom, but the energy to try to influence is like really a big bummer. Mm -hmm. So, so, so of course the people who are speaking, it's better to be one-on-one, but, but really there's no substitute for being being in that same room. And we are not in the same place that we were in March. You know, we, we do understand more of how to try to keep ourselves safe and keep other people safe. I think not everybody is feeling respectful, but a majority of people are being respectful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that wearing a mask is just a respectful gesture to, right, you know, make right. you feel more comfortable and, and to be physically mm-hmm, safe, whether mm-hmm. you feel like, you know, there is a medical reason or not. I know there's a lot of arguments about science, but I think if you can, get out there. There's, there's an energy and an excitement. And, and going back, I probably will say it a few more times. We have to, we have to empower the grassroots or just Mm -hmm. the regular common American Mm -hmm. to help them understand that their vote matters. You know, I've been saying this, there's two lines that I've been saying for a while. And it was when I started running for us Senate Mm -hmm. that I was beginning to see, I'm, you know, I had a good website. I got, I understand public policy, you know, I can do debates, but really how can I empower a citizenry Hmm. to recognize that we are in a democratic Republic? So what that means is that we elect representatives to represent us. So we don't vote directly on laws. Mm -hmm. We vote to elect people who will make our laws, Mm -hmm. but we're still a by the people for the people. There's an element. We're not just a Republic and we're not just a democracy. Mm -hmm. We're both. We're this Mm -hmm. blended version. And the only way a democracy is going to function is Mm -hmm. if it's citizenry can come to the table and be active participants. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta feel like you got something to offer. And there's so many different barriers, especially in poor and vulnerable communities that keep you from even thinking you have anything to offer that people will listen. And then when they get the courage to actually come, no, people don't right. listen to them right. because there's so much supremacy and there's so much arrogance and mm-hmm. there's so much power mm-hmm. and there's so many, you know, there's so many different factors. And so that's what we need to change. So there's a couple of things. These are the two lines that I've been saying, and it's not a talking point. It's how I truly feel. It's just a very short way to say that civic engagement mm-hmm. is not a sideline sport. Mm. So yes, you, you want to get in. People need to get in. This is not for the critic to evaluate and put their hashtags and their snarky stuff on social media. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's fun, mm-hmm. but that's a very temporal, respo- temporal response. And it doesn't always get us where we want. So what we truly want is civic engagement. We want a country that reflects the values of the people because the people have come out and come together. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. organizers are supposed to mm-hmm. be doing is, mm-hmm. is instilling that value. So one is civic engagement is not a sideline sport. 
And the second thing is, is we get, and this isn't true of all countries, but we have a democratic republic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we have to use our full power, which is we get the government we invest in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'm telling you, if you have never done anything but vote, you have done almost nothing to invest in our government. Mm. If you haven't voted, I would say that's pretty shameful. I mean, there's got to be reasons right now. There's right. voter suppression. I mean, there are beers, right. and I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people who, you know, you just launched a video. You know, there's a problem in the world, but it's not me. I forget. What is it? What is the line? That of is your the line. That's the line? There's okay, there's a problem in, the in this world, and it's, and it's not, not me. me. Okay, right. So this whole idea of apathy, like I'm going to criticize from the sidelines, and I'm not going to do anything to invest or change it. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need your criticism. Yeah. We already know what's broken. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, exhausted and dirty and sweaty. We, you know, we're doing the work. So you either join us in the work or just be quiet. Yeah. And I don't think stewards of the kingdom should ever just be quiet. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the purpose of salt and light? You know, we see mm -hmm. that in, in Matthew. You know, only a fool would take right. something and cover up that light. Right, right, right. So... You've 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 been an advocate for marginalized communities for a long time. Why the black vote this time? Why mm. is it so important? There's a lot of voting blocks that are really important. Mm -hmm. The Latino vote mm -hmm. is extremely important. Uh, the youth vote I mentioned mm -hmm. is extremely mm -hmm. important. The suburban middle-aged white woman, mm -hmm. believe it or not, is a swing vote mm -hmm. in many places. There's always the unaffiliated vote. I think with the African-American community is that we saw numbers of people who had, who were citizens, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times in the immigrant community, people don't have the citizenship, so they mm -hmm. don't have the ability to vote, mm -hmm. but we've got a lot of African-Americans who have the ability to vote, but that are not even registered. Mm -hmm. And then those mm -hmm. that are registered that actually just don't do don't vote. do the vote. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I had sent you, I don't have the graphic in front of me, but I had, been reading and just seeing that the margin of African-Americans who are registered to vote, who didn't come out to vote in some of the swing states could have mm -hmm. made, if even a fraction of those people had come out, it would have made the difference. Right. And that goes back to speaking into, does your voice really matter? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's back on us with, you know, as, as church leaders, as people who are are working alongside one another for racial justice, what are we mm -hmm. doing to instill mm -hmm. the value of, not just say, well, you are, you know, you are creating the image of God and you should be treated with, you know, dignity and respect. Those are obvious to an individual mm -hmm, like you mm -hmm, and me. Mm -hmm. But what does, you know, human dignity and valuing human mm -hmm, dignity mm -hmm. really look like? And I think when we see a lack of desire to be a part of a system, mm -hmm, and in this mm -hmm. one is the voting system, I think as leaders, it's a, a good opportunity for us to check, like, uh -huh. what are we doing all along the way that we would have not communicated that your voice is imperative? Right, 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 right. So, so here, uh, uh, a final question. Where does democracy start? You, like, is this start with a vote? Or in your case, it seems like it starts with you being a neighbor. Where does this where does this start and where does this come together? Like, I'm fascinated. Oh, you know it's not always a black and white binary kind of thing. I know, but <laughs> I, but but it's fun to put the question out. Yeah, I think for me it started out as a neighbor. I mean, I've been a citizen of the United States. I was born into citizenship. And so as soon as I turned 18, I registered to vote. And, mm -hmm, you know, I mm -hmm. kind of went through that mechanism. But that 
I'm a white woman from a privileged background, and uh, the system worked for me. It wasn't. It didn't work for me as well as like my brothers. Honestly, it mm-hmm. really is a little bit easier to be a white guy. But you know, the reality is, is that a system worked for me. So why would we be changing anything? Mm-hmm. There was really nothing to criticize. It worked for me. It wasn't until I moved into a community, you know, so many years ago, mm-hmm. and really just began to live. And it's not me just loving my neighbors. It's them loving me back. I mean, this reciprocal finding out, wow, no matter what I do, it works for me. No matter what you do, you have barriers. Like this just isn't right. And so in, in loving my neighbors, I, I did not ever think that I, and I, I know that the title organizer has come with a lot of the efforts that I've done. I didn't even know that word existed when I started. Right. Mm-hmm. We were just doing things we needed in our neighborhood. Like, neighborhood. you know, yeah. we're sitting in my backyard and this community was, is right from World War II, after World War II. And there were mud alleys. Like there were probably, I think it was maybe 25 blocks of our neighborhood mm-hmm. didn't have paved alleys. Mm-hmm. And the guy next door, he's now deceased, but he was old and crotchety and telling me, he was like, I've been asking for alleys for years. No one's ever going to do it. And I just felt so bad. I'm like, he's, he worked for Denver public schools. He's been a good, you know, participant mm-hmm, in the community. Mm-hmm. He's asked, he got tired of asking. I'm young. I've got energy. Mm-hmm, I'm going to mm-hmm. bug the snot right, <laughs> out of the city right, of Denver. Right. And I did, I became a Royal pain in the neck, you know? And so it's just like, okay, that bothered me, but I learned to care about somebody else's interests. Mm-hmm. I mean, and realize mm-hmm. that I inherited that muddy alley that he had been living with for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And three years later we had paved alleys. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just because I did stuff. It's just, you pick up that, you know, the, what is the, the baton uh-huh. and you keep going. Uh-huh. So you start with that and then you work with businesses and then you're doing things with schools. And all of a sudden, you know, 2007 presidential election, some Italian American evangelical from Colorado, Representative Tom Tancredo, starts running for president because he wants to like do mean things to immigrants. I'm like, who are you talking about, dude? <laughs> now that's important because I'm an Italian American evangelical <laughs> from Colorado. I'm like, dude, you don't know my neighbors. <laughs> and so that's when I began to realize that even things around immigration mm. were an issue. And that's when I began to realize, oh, there's a documented and undo-. So it's in becoming a neighbor. Mm-hmm. And really mm-hmm. just being a part of a community, really investing in a community that we got civically mm-hmm. engaged because mm-hmm. we just thought it is not okay for people not to care about our neighborhood. Right. I know our schools are failing. I know they're closing. You know, I know that we have a lot of gang violence. I know mm-hmm. we don't have many economic opportunities, and but we're working really hard and we have a lot of things against us. Let's keep working. Yeah. And then it just all of a sudden I started working at the local level and the state level and the national level and... I've gotten to meet really amazing people all across the country. And hmm. I, I'll tell you, Leroy, of all the things I've done, whether I'm hanging around with national leaders or local leaders, I'm a grassroots person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when I was running for U.S. Senate, I was with all these people who just preferred hanging around with powerful people. I'm like, yeah, I know how to do that. Right. But I really, really liked like the elderly woman who, after the very first debate, so we had, there were 12 of us at that point, every reporter in the state of Colorado and some national reporters were in that room. And I just launched my campaign. I'm going out as this no name candidate, you know, for my very first forum debate. And after two and a half hours of us all just sparring and trying to get voice here and there, an elderly woman came and said, Michelle, I need to talk to you. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm all ears. And she said, no, I need you to listen. <laughs> and she took both of my hands and I looked at her you know, quite focused in, in her eyes. And I said, you know, what can I, what can I learn? And she said, I want you to know that after two and a half hours of you all just talking up there, you're the only person who even used the word poverty. Mm. 
you're the only one who had the courage to bring up the issue of immigration. And then I said, and the only one to bring up mass incarceration. Mm. And it, and I just realized there are, there are things that are so vital and important that people don't have the courage to speak about. And when they do, they're calculating their political filters because mm-hmm. they're so mm-hmm. concerned about keeping and holding power. Mm-hmm. But who gets lost in it? It's my neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the elderly. It's people who don't have people that are remembering to bring them up mm-hmm. when it's needed. And I would say even farther than that, don't wait for me to bring it up. Be there yourself. Nice. Yeah. Let's figure out how we can curate and cultivate the voices that come from the margins so that they can lead us. Nice. Well, thank you, Michelle. Well, folks, this you you got a little taste of Michelle Ferrigno Warren uh, and her passion and uh, part of how she lives her life as a neighbor, an activist uh, and her work uh, through CCDA with the advocacy she directs. So um, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for opening your house. So so y'all 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 don't know you're, you you don't have a visual, but um this these will be special um uh <laughs> podcasts for us because we're sitting in in the backyard we're about 10 feet away from <laughs> one another uh and uh there's crickets and dogs and uh stuff going on in the background but uh don't mind that stuff because that's what it's going to be for the next 15 days um so uh so thank you and uh thanks no, for your hospitality thank you so much uh, thanks so much Leroy. my name is Leroy barber uh this is the sit up podcast Let's begin. Live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.